investors are going to pull back their investments by about 30 to 50 percent over the course of the next couple of years. So it's if they did if they did 20 deals a year, they might end up doing 10 to 15 the this year. And that might continue. And that's just purely because the interest rates are going up. All right, folks, we're back for episode 31. This was actually a a childhood hero, if I may say. We have a Forbes 30 under 30, a Northwestern grab, a published author, and now a (laughs) co-founder, are you you founder? No, you're co-founder, president, running Octane AI. Ben Parr, welcome to the show. Hello in the universe, everyone. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. And so as always, I'm in the marketing HQ out here in Austin. Where does this podcast find you today, Ben? Uh, I'm currently in a lavender field. Isn't it pretty over here? I just set up a <laughs> desk here in person, you know, making a whole thing. You know what, though? Like if, if we needed to go and like change scenery, you know, I could be inside of some kind of teleporter or I could be in the wild, wild west or yeah, for those who are just listening, they're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I can be in a rainforest. It's so beautiful Ooh, over here. That's not bad. I know. I know. How do you, how do you transport yourself? How, how are you doing all this sorcery? So this is actually one of my favorite apps, but <laughs> give, it, give it the plug. We, uh, we're both users of a company called Mm-hmm. It's M-M-H-M-M. It's by one of our investors at Octavii, uh, Phil Libin, the former founder of Evernote. And it allows okay. you to do some super amazing things like change the backgrounds or put up different words like I just did right here. Or, you know, uh, even put up like, you know, uh, screen share right in the middle, like this amazing case study about how Jones Road Beauty makes seven figures every single month from a new ad flow that involves TikTok ads and an Octonai quiz. I'm good at plugging. Shout out, shout out Cody Plocker. Love me some Cody. Um, and yeah, Joanne actually, I learned- and Eli. I mean, it's a whole dream team over there just as a complete aside. It's not bad, is it? Uh, yeah, dude, Eli's actually been on the podcast, one of our uh, most downloaded. He is just an absolute gem of human. I haven't got to interact with uh, uh, Joanne that much, but I'm sure she's an absolute crusher. Cody, Cody is really building building out um, there. It's a what an incredible story there. But we'll get to that later. We want to talk about customer. You, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the story of <laughs> the story of BP here. Um, so you went to Northwestern, right? Right, Northwestern over in uh, Evanston, Illinois. Yeah, absolutely. I went to Indiana, so same conference. We live, you you are always the smarties, the 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 Big Ten smarts. Uh, I feel like what you who, study. I was trying to just think of the side. Uh, who's been the better football team the last ten years? I feel oh, like we probably oh. have won. I bet oh, you it's us, probably. but I gotta check. It hurts. It hurts. Mm. We're supposed to be a sports school, and you guys are supposed to be the nerds and uh, the academics and the nerds. Killing me. You're killing me here. Like you have to you have to play you have to play Ohio State and Michigan State and Michigan every year, so uh, that's the problem. So, dirty little secret: when we would have Ohio State as a home game because they have kind of colors close-ish to ours, um, that's when they would take the overhead photos, <laughs> so the stadium looked full because the the Ohio State fans would travel, and the stadium would never be full without that. <laughs> but that's not here nor there. Uh, what did you study while you were at Northwestern? Uh, science and human culture, political science, and business institutions. So two majors and a minor. Oh, very, very cool. And then you also wrote a book. 
right? Captivology. It's, it was actually named the marketing book of 2015 by Strategy and Business Magazine. Tell me a little bit about that adventure. Uh, so I did many things, many things between uh, college and the book because I did – I was the editor of Mashable for four, four and a half years. Uh, I wrote 2,446 articles in my four years there. Did a small VC fund on behalf of celebrities into early stage startups, which is its own story. Uh, I did a column for CBS and CNET. I did a bunch of other stuff. And then I uh, wrote Captivology, in part because of all the investing and all these startups asking for help and press, marketing, customer, user acquisition. And so uh, Captivology goes through the science and psychology of attention, why we pay attention to certain people, products, companies, and ideas. And how to utilize that science to captivate and capture the attention of others. So I went through 300 years of scientific research and attention and memory, interviewed like, you know, 50 plus masters of attention. So like everyone from Sheryl Sandberg, Steven Soderbergh, David Copperfield, Shigeru Miyamoto, like all sorts of super amazing people. So, you know, there, there's my face is on it. You can, if you ever go find it, it's very easy. They, I did a eight, Six-hour photo shoot just to get that one photo for the cover <laughs> of the book. That's amazing. What was that experience like? Like, take me through. Did you do? Like, how do you break that down? Is it like in terms of like big pillars, and then those pillars kind of manifest in chapters, or like how how did you take? Because that's a big, big lift, right? So, you have to do your research, and that takes actually a decent long time to kind of start forming the coherent thoughts. Before that, you write. You don't write the book before you get the deal. You write a, a proposal, which get, lets you like think other thoughts. You write a sample chapter, but not the entire book. A lot of that happens afterwards. So, in my case, you know, after the research, there's a, there's a specific app, the secret app that all great I think book writers use. It's uh, called Scrivener, and oh, yep. it's specifically meant for writing books and writing these like long multi-piece things because then you can put things in individual chapters you can move things around you get a little built-in board in it it's an amazing little like app that uh just has been around for forever for uh, book writers so you know i would just like tackle different chapters and sections it would tell me how many words i needed to write in the day in order to keep on pace to hit my uh deadline which of course you know i didn't quite hit my deadline but got pretty close i remember yep. like finishing the last version of the final of the edits with my editor just before going to Burning Man, being like, I have to finish this. I got to get this done before Burning Man. And I was able to do that. So uh, it's a journey. I took two plus years. I lived alone for a couple months on a river in upstate. Uh, Seriously? Yeah, in upstate Cal in California near Mount Shasta. Uh, I spent some time in Thailand working on it, all sorts of things. That is cool. I'm just uh, imagining like Johnny Depp in the, I forget what is it, The Door or whatever. I forget that movie where he goes out to the, the upstate cabin in New York in just total isolation and you're just banging away on your keyboard. That's incredible. Um, total digression. I didn't know you were a burner because uh, I usually do really pretty in-depth research and uh, my assistant missed that. How, how was Burning Man? What was that? I only, was I that only did it. Like? I only did it once. I want to do it again because but then COVID happened. Uh, yeah. yeah. I went because a dear friend of mine, uh, Asa Raskin, was getting married and, you know, he uh, helped create, like, he created Infinite Scroll, actually, among a bunch of other things. Wow. Uh, he was the chief designer over at Firefox. 
but he was getting married. I'm like, I got to go be there. And I wanted to go and go there. And I went with my friend, Sarah Burr, who was a tech crunch at the time. And we just yeah. drove in my truck filled with stuff. We had like, we found a couch on the street. We put a couch in the back, drove all the no. way through. It was, it was excellent. You just like have a level, especially with like the reason like a wedding or something, you have a level of bonding, like people who I think will be family forever. So I want to go back. It's hard to know when, but and I'm curious to see like what happens this year now that uh, it will definitely be back. And we've gone years without, with, in isolation, frankly, a lot of uh, people who are regular burners have been able to go for two, three years. It'll be interesting yeah, to yeah. see. Wow, you're such an interesting person. Jeez, I knew you were interesting when I was going through my show notes, but man, you have all these little interesting oddities and intricacies. I love it. You also sit on the board, right, of uh, Semisource? So I sit on the board, well, nowadays, of the Lila Janna Foundation. So Samasource is this, uh, was the predecessor. It's complicated, but Samasource okay. uh, provides like uh, the whole mission of everything is to give work. And so in the earlier Sama Source, you know, was a nonprofit that was giving work and focused on training people in impoverished regions like in Uganda and Kenya on digital work. And then oftentimes employing a lot of those people to do uh, AI data trading or moderation or things like that. Uh, we split the organization into a for-profit and a nonprofit because the for-profit needed to raise money to compete with its competitors the nonprofit yep. owns a big chunk of that. And so I set up the board of the nonprofit and our focus is like in promoting entrepreneurship and promoting the give work mission that the, uh, the late founder, Lila Jana, uh, really ascribed to. And so like we run a give work challenge in, uh, in Kenya and Uganda where we're like, we help fund great, uh, entrepreneurial ideas and help them like get the network and the resources so they can grow it. We kind of measure our impact in terms of the number of jobs that we help uh, make, like good jobs. And so we're hoping to do a lot more of that. So uh, that's the board side of the Lila Jana Foundation. How cool. How do you even find time to sleep? Incredible. All right. So where I actually first rubbed up against you is when you were slanging heat at Mashable. Do you have any fun stories there? or Because you were kind of there and it's pinnacle. Or not that it's like not good now, but like you to be fair like you were kind of running it during its heyday right or is that is that a misconception uh i ran the west coast and uh editor-in-chief adam mastro ran the east coast uh yeah. so the yeah the early mashable days there was just i don't know that was the early silicon valley days like twitter was a new thing they had yeah. twitter conferences they had web 2.0 conferences for anyone who's in early tech this will feel nostalgic but there was like an early era and Mashable and TechCrunch were the two big publications. And yep. we wrote a constant stream of articles and I, we eventually had a team. I had the team of 50, had like some amazing reporters, had some amazing stuff happen. I don't know. It was a, it's like, it's nostalgic like thing about that era. You know, I still talk with some yeah. of my Mashable colleagues here and there and just like, it's a unique kind of experience, especially when you're like, in your early 20s and your first job is yeah. to be a reporter who gets to talk with everybody because that's how I met a lot of my our investors that's how I met a lot of uh, early people in across the industry how cool that is you're right that's incredible so you're one of like the most productive people I know 
how do you balance that with like your work life? Like how do you show up in relationships as well as, you know, publish books, be an editor, sit on a board, uh, start a company, run a company. Like, do you have any tricks or tips or people that are struggling with kind of finding, finding, I don't like really believe in like the work life balance thing, but you definitely, you know, I don't think life is about working. Um, it's about building deep connections with humans you care about. And you obviously do that very well. So how do you accomplish that? Do I mean, I would first say don't try to do everything all at once, but I have a trouble with that and I assume you do too. Uh, I mean, you sometimes your brain just does better with a, with a break and that might mean go watch a movie with the partner, go uh, text a friend, go on a walk. Uh, it kind of just depends. I feel like over a longer span of time, like I have done a bunch of things, but I did try to focus, like when I was doing Captivology, tried to focus just on that. And, you know, that helped me compress like the time frame, and then it helped me add things. And then there's like, you know, a level of automation to certain things, you know, like you can get like, like, you know, have assistance and all that kind of thing is like help. But there's like automation that can help with like making things happen, creating like, you know, I'm trying to currently make it so that I make it easier for myself to make investor intros to companies that I either advise or have invested in and having a whole CRM for doing it. And eventually I want to have like a system where I could just like click two buttons and then it'll just like send off the email. And that's what I'm trying to get to in the like pretty near future. But like, you know, the more automations like that, I can go and build the like more time I can go and get back and the lesser, the less daunting the task. The other one being just send the thing immediately. Like you get a text, just send back. I've had, I still make that mistake. Just like, don't think like you can only think so hard, you know, like send the response back, like, at least acknowledge something. Um, a lot of times, some things only require a couple words. You know, obviously, there's a couple that require more thought. You need to have it keep going back to your inbox. But that stuff accrues and piles up mentally even more than in your inbox. Yeah. That's so well put. Yeah, I can't remember who said that, but if it's under, if it takes you under three minutes or something like that, just do it now because to your point, um, not only does it accrue, I think it compounds where it starts to almost clog up the system, right? Where these little things that are not necessarily meaningless, but you can just knock them out. And then it, I know when I get like all that busy work done or going, I just, are you on the superhuman train? Do you, are, yes, no, maybe. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That, I was going to say, actually, like certain tools do help you. Like I have a whole set of systems for different kinds of inboxes and superhuman, you know, there's a whole set of different, like I have a set of different things in a notion. I have a spreadsheet too for like tracking different personal habits, uh, Ooh, which I'm not that. as great at doing every day, but I'm trying to get better at. But at the very minimum, it keeps them top of mind. Oh, I love that. It's incredible. Uh, I'm also a big Notion power user, one of the most amazing tools. Uh, I love it, love it, love it. Um, okay, cool. Let's round out this main segment. One last question. What is the nicest thing someone's done for you? This is a interesting question what is the nicest thing somebody has ever done for me there have been a tremendous number i like i don't know if i can pick one that's hard i can say that in general one like I, I, I try to say this a lot a lot of startup life is luck not skill um and yes yeah, there's skill involved but anyone who discounts the amount of luck that's required to have the right timing, have the right market dynamics, sometimes make it yeah. the right hire is like, is like kidding you. 
like a lot of stuff in startup world is just based off of luck. Uh, and I've gotten lucky being able to have super amazing experiences, go to super awesome places, you know, get receive super awesome introductions. So I'm going to have to actually ponder what the number one thing is. The problem is like, there's also where like I have like a thing where I try not to do superlatives because it's always hard sure. for people to think of superlatives. If you go like, what's a nice thing? There's like, like I was just at Chop Talk, the e-commerce conference, and there's like a hundred nice things. People helping me get into parties or people like uh, on me helping other people get into things. Uh, like going like someone just grabbing like a coffee, like the little things are overlooked sometimes, but they really kind of do add up, you know? And so I like think like, oh, there's like at least 30 examples of that kind of thing happening in a four day time span, which I'm still somehow uh, able to sit and uh, stay awake. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think there's definitely, so one, hundred percent agree with you. I think the two things that are probably the biggest like functions in terms of success of a business is timing and luck. And luck is kind of a function of timing in a weird way. Um, so I totally agree with you there. But yeah, I just want to see, you know, the nicest thing. And I think mm -hmm. that's a, a beautiful way to put it, rounding it out where just just do good. The karmic balance will help you out and just try and make the world a better place one action at a time. The the, the ben, ben Parr philosophy, the ethos of awesomeness. Yeah, I'm going to keep on thinking. I might have one later in the randomly. I'm just <laughs> going to answer one of your random questions with, I remember this one time when, because it's a good question. The, the lightning bolt, it'll just come out of context, totally shift the conversation. It'll be fantastic. Ben, you made it to the first segment already, flying through. I love it. Okay, this is the reason why people bought the ticket. This is the value add segment. Let's get nerdy. Why did you start Octane AI? Was there like an aha moment? Like, and then you had a little bit of a pivot as well. So if you can tell people a little bit about that. So my co-founder, Matt, uh, came up with the original concept for Octane AI, which uh, I feel like we have like we have evolved over time. I like using the word evolve, but the core idea has been the same, which is uh, the conversation between consumer brand has been fundamentally broken for forever. Yep. It's been generally a one-way spam kind of filter of like, I'm going to just blast you with an email and it's going to be not personalized in the slightest versus like your human interactions, your personalized. We're literally personalizing our conversation as it goes. That's literally just nothing but personalization. Uh, but our communications with brands should be the same. It'd be better for the consumer. It'd be better for the brand. It'd be better for everybody. And our first attempt at this was chatbots uh, for Messenger. And we did this yep. for artists and celebrities. We raised a bunch of money. We did it for, with uh, a whole all sorts of brands. Um, but it really became clear to us that it was our e-commerce customers that were getting the most benefit. And we were working with some amazing e-commerce stores and realized that they uh, – they could, they, this was just like an amazing industry there where this level of personalization was actually like really valued and they were on the forefront of things. We yep. started with Messenger there, but it evolved into what we are now uh, into our quiz product into our zero party data platform because all of our uh, customers were trying to build quizzes and they were like yep. hacking basic Messenger to do it. And we're like, why are you doing that? And they told us we really want to put this on the website, but it's not easy. It costs a lot to do custom builds. Custom builds, like you know, are like require lots of engineering power to even just update. Doesn't come with integrations. We're like, we'll build yep. that. Like, we're using the same technology we used to do Messenger to build the quiz product, and we did. And we built this quiz product because we saw this giant hole where everyone was looking for a solution to help them make it and launch a quiz really easily, and to get the analytics and the back end for it. 
And that worked out, as you can imagine, uh, really well for us. Uh, we are by far the largest platform of our kind in Shopify. Shopify itself is a customer of Octidia. You can go take their hardware quiz. Uh, we've gone. I didn't know that. We've uh, yeah, definitely hardware.shopify.com. I have to go and like pull it up in my little like thing in a little bit. But uh, we even have a we even have a case study actually on uh, on Octidia where you can go and do that. But we've had like more and more brands coming to us, especially in the last like couple months. So you know, we'll talk about Jones Road again for a second. Uh, our lovely mutual customer. But Jones Road Beauty, you know, they saw this is, you know, for those who the don't know, it is Bobby Brown's new skincare brand, uh, very successful. But they were using, you know, Facebook ads, and yep. that was has many of us know, uh, Facebook ads have dropped like a rock, forty percent decrease in return on ad spend since iOS fourteen point five, since people could opt out of data tracking, and so e-commerce brands have been looking for an alternative. Jones Road switched their Facebook ad spend uh, over to TikTok. Uh, and they send that traffic instead to just a landing page. You sent it to an Octinii quiz. So they have this like beautiful quiz where they ask about like what kind of like, you know, they're trying to ask what kind of skin do you have, what kind of things like that. And they're doing that. What they found was like by having a quiz as like the landing page for for themselves, for their for their TikTok ads, it actually drove a lot more traffic. It drove a lot more uh, it drove a lot more engagement. It drove a lot more conversions, especially. I think somewhere around like you know, 80%, 85% plus of people who start the quiz, complete the quiz, 15% of those people actually end up making a purchase. And that's like, those are huge numbers, right? And for like them now, they make seven figures a month from that flow. They get a three, three and a half X plus return on ad spend from it. It's a real alternative to Facebook ads. And that's really like what we have found as like a real piece of our product market fit, which is if you've had trouble with your Facebook ads or ads in general, and you're looking for better conversion, and you're looking to have data that you could use for, you know, the follow-up segments, like more personalized email, more personalized text message. That's also like a big part of what's driving a lot of like sales and a lot of revenue. You know, that's what we do. That's like what our software does. And so, yeah, a brand here, I'll actually even pull up, like brand will build a beautiful quiz like uh, this to like, you know, this is Jones Rhodes. They'll be able to like ask key questions, learn about the customer's preferences, make a really targeted recommendation use that information to recommend really useful products to customers. And then, you know, can send personalized emails so they don't email you about things that don't make sense for you and your brand. Yep. So that's the activity I story in a nutshell. Yeah, that's wonderful. And another thing to pump you up even more, if you you don't even need more pumping up, I mean, you're in the stratosphere already, but um, the customer value is also um, much higher as well. So Cody shared some numbers with me as well, where people that convert um, just straight up through a Facebook ad versus people that come convert through the Octane AI quiz, um, the AOV and also LTV, so the longer term um, value, lifetime customer value is much higher um, with the Octane AI. Yeah, is this is this the uh, ca the case study? This is this is the case study over on Octane AI because there's some specific numbers too. Like this is only in a three month period. Two and a half million zero party data points. Eighty two percent of people who start a quiz complete it. Fifteen percent make a purchase. But yeah, you're right. One of the biggest ones people don't even think about. They the customers who take a quiz increase their AOV by fifty percent. And this is true across the board. We have customers twenty to fifty percent increases in AOV. Plus the emails that they captured. It's a it's a much more likely people are going to give you an email that way than say through a pop up. And yep. that's why another reason why a lot of customers go and use us. I love that. Yeah. And so 
ultimately you're it's so interesting though because you're still adhering to your original thesis it's just the mechanism is different right and i think we'll continue to adhere to that thesis and continue to build on top of that you know because like for example we want to build a new set of integrations and like make it possible for our customers to leverage the zero party data for everything from uh, more personalized email and text messages, which is a big yeah. focus today, to more personalized websites, to using AI to give, uh, to do some super cool things like automatically, uh, I can't even quite talk about it, there's some super cool things on the AI side, Ooh, but also being that. able to leverage the data in other platforms to do, let's say, you know, maybe you want to have some advanced analytics and some kind of yeah. uh, awesome product that's, uh, uh, utilized by marine mammals. That would be uh, super awesome too. So stay tuned, oh, yeah. everyone. Coming soon, coming soon. You see that? You see the subtleties there. This man, his his vernacular is incredible. He can he can talk around somebody and instantly know what it is without saying it. The the communication so, skills on this one. By the way, I'm super clear. I'm talking about platypuses. By the way, you know, no, oh, no, oh. no, no, what's up? It is. It is. I didn't even know. I, I, congratulations! It is for those li- like listen. Just so you know, today is April first when we're recording. So I just want to say congratulations on your rebranding to Triple Platypi. So I'm really, really excited for uh, the new platypus logo, the new platypus everything, um, and all the egg <laughs> memes that we're gonna have now. It's it's great. It's a, it's a great rebranding. I love it. Well, we figured, right? What's better than a whale or platypus? Why not? Why not? <laughs> we should have ran with that. Oh, that's incredible. Um, what's been the best parts and hardest parts of running Octane? Uh, best parts is amazing people and like all these like and amazing customers. And like in the last couple yeah. of months, especially, we've seen so many more of our customers, you know, publicly like talk about us, talk about what they've been doing with their product. And like getting to see like an ecosystem develop is amazing yeah. to like behold and really uh, both not even enjoyable. Uh, it's just, uh, it's an honor almost. Like yeah. it's hard to describe the feeling you're like, oh wow, like they're using our product in ways I would never would have imagined. And now there's hundreds, thousands of people talking about it. Um, the hard part is always just like startups are hard. There's an up and there's a down. We've had ups and downs. So we've even publicly talked about like, you know, the one where like when Facebook changed, uh, when Facebook shut down the messenger platform due to Cambridge yep. Analytica and we had to, we had to do layoffs. We nearly died. We survived by the skin of our teeth and then we were able to grow again. Uh, but that probably, that kind of thing ages you very quickly. So there's a, there's a ton of, like, they always talk about this. Like I always talk with investors and founders, like the roller coaster for being a founder in early stage company is super high highs, super low lows. If you're a VC, for example, like the highs are not as high, but the lows are definitely not as low, uh, which yes. is probably why a lot of founders turn to VC after yes. they do a company or two. I, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, it's almost equivalent to, um, almost a player becoming the coach where it's like, you just, you just lose the, uh, not necessarily tenacity or maybe lose is a bad verb, but, um, there is just a lot to your point. Like there is just a lot of roller coaster rides and there's like, it sounds cliche, but man, there is just always something. And so that VC you, is more out. It's just abstract away. You're the drunk uncle where like you get to kind of hang out and play, Well, you aren't an uncle actually. So that's a great segue, but you, you, you just get to hang out with the child. Idea. 
Yeah, but um, at the same time, when shit hits the fan, you're like, all right, I'm out. And like, it's it's like this thing where it's like the parent is more of like the founder, owner, operator, where when shit happens, like you have to deal with, it, you have to figure it out. And to your point, um, you know, hopefully sometimes the scars, the scars are kind of badges of honor, but sometimes the scars scuttle the ship. And so it's just a really big challenge. And then it also sucks, like when, to your point, you have to make hard decisions and like, it is what it is. And sometimes, you know, you have to, there's a, there's a terrible, but sometimes applicable line of like the greater good where like we have to, you know, seal off some of these things to, to make sure that the ship can stay afloat. And it's not necessarily, you can do it in a, you know, a nice way, make sure there's a severance and there's some things where you can help people on their next pathway. But at the end of the day, you're firing people, you have to do it. And so there's just, uh, you know, some difficult conversations that usually the VC isn't involved in or has to be involved in. They can basically step out of the room and then when everything's fun they come to the party but if the party gets hit, called the cops get called to the party they just sneak out the back door well, and they don't have to deal with it i have a, i have a couple thoughts here which i think you're exactly right um we've been lucky at octane to have honestly very good investors who've had our backs like yep. uh I, I like some people are like like uh, honestly like general catalyst and boost vc and javelin and yep. bullpen they've all had our backs they've you know put money in when we were like in dire straits they've helped us figure out things and that's a really valuable thing to have when you are a founder and it's hard to get and i think for us we knew pretty much all the leads of all of our rounds for some period of time before really we took cool. their money and that helped us a lot with like we already had some trust we already knew them you know um, and that helped a lot with like figuring out like what to do and who to go and work with. The other thing you gave me an idea at the beginning of like uh, your speech, great speech, by the way, uh, <laughs> which is that I think I'm going to write an article on my personal blog uh, comparing which VC is which coach in which sports league. Because if I, the thought that went to my head is and so when you're listening to this, I think I'll have that article done and published We'll even link to it if I get it done. Oh, uh, I'm like, who, like, who is the Bill is Belichick? Really who is yeah. the Bill Belichick of the VC world? Like, yeah. this is like actually like a question I'm trying to think like, who is the Bill Belichick? So uh, I'm gonna have to get. Yeah. Gur uh, girlies, girlies up there. I had to like, it's hard because like there's so many coaches and then yeah. there's like so yeah. many, and then you got I like you got this. like it depends. It depends if you just stick to football, but you could go. You know, Krzyzewski, you be, right? Or, so or they, like, yeah, Duke or oh my, my goodness. alma mater, Bob Knight, who's the VC that's choking people out. <laughs> oh. This is brilliant, man. This is, oh my God, I can't wait to read this article. You have to have this out when we publish. I think there'll be like a three week lead time or something on this. This is brilliant, Ben. I like, there's so much meat on this bone. That is hilarious. I love this. I, I think, I, I, think I think I figured out who, uh, I'm just like thinking through some of them. I'm like, okay, I think I know who Kirsten Green, a forerunner, would be. I won't reveal yet, but there's a whole set of them, you know? So this will be fun. Oh, it's super fun. And now, now that you're kind of walking it through my head, the analogies are really actually incredibly tight because there are certain types of coach. Like, for example, Bob Knight wasn't going to really take a super talented team like because he didn't deal with a lot of crap. Whereas like a Shashevsky or uh, a Roy Williams, ex-UNC person, like he wasn't going to make a C player into an A player, but he was incredible at one 
recruiting A players and B, making sure those A players coalesce into a championship level team. And so there, there's so many interesting parallels here. Oh, I love it. Look at that big brain coming from BP. Let's go. Let's go. I love it. Um, okay, next question. How do you see the next two to three years unfolding um, in e-commerce, specifically kind of like the DTC Shopify space? Uh, want me to be honest? Bumpy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will yeah, be, it's, yeah. we will be bumpy. It's already starting yep. to happen with yep. uh, the ad issues. So 2020, most incredible year for e-commerce ever. 2021, yep. supply chain issues, choke some. Uh, iOS started. This year, the iOS stuff is starting to compound more. Some brands yep. really are starting to figure it out. Of course, the ones that are using Octanei and Triple Whale, uh, Triple right. Platypi, are <laughs> doing the best. I'm not even Is kidding. that really the, the, the uh, plural for platypus? It's, plata, it's platypuses, technically, I believe. Okay. It's not okay. platypi. So I, I, I've been corrected I like on this before. Better, <laughs> I, I like platypi better, too, but I think it is actually technically triple platypuses. <laughs> Which doesn't roll off the tongue as well as triple platypi. So we're going to go triple platypi. Better brand. But, but, you know, we can have fun. But uh, there will be some difficult times because the market is – there's some things you can extrapolate from the market. And I had this conversation at Chop Talk with a whole bunch of investors. Uh, Investors are going to pull back their investments by about 30 to 50 percent. Over the course oh, of the next wow. couple of years, that much, so it's, huh? if they yeah. did if they did twenty deals a year, they might end up doing ten to fifteen the this yeah. year, and that might continue. And that's just purely because the interest rates are going up. And so, what happens yeah. when the interest rates are going up? I know I'm going to hardcore economics here, but when the interest no, rates no, go up, uh, the the people who invest in VCs, uh, which are like family offices, wealthy individuals, they put more of their money towards uh, bonds and things that are safe, but those have higher return when the interest rates are up and less into VC. Why we've had so much money in VC in the last 10 years is because the interest rates were so low, it was more, it was so you would get no return on bonds and some of those instruments. And so you put more money into things that were higher risk that turned out to be higher reward. And so some of that money will pull back. Some early funds will, will perish. Some bigger funds will raise smaller funds. Uh, and it's not clear how long that will last or how difficult that will be. Uh, but it will be, it's going to have an impact on everything. And so I think it might mean people might spend a bit less because they will have a little bit less cash in their pocket or have to pay uh, more in interest rates. So for some people, it's going to require just uh, like be harder to fundraise to continue to grow your company. But I also think that for the ones who build like real product value and like uh, are able to find economics that work, you're going to end up really in a really good place. In part because like there are frankly probably too many companies in too many verticals. uh, And if you survive the next couple of years, uh, you will end up being in really great shape and having an even bigger market to own and control. So it's going to be bumpy is the word. Some will go way up. Some will go down. Uh, it'll be a little bit unpredictable, but you can rely on the fact that probably VCs will put down less money because interest rates will go up. And when interest rates go up, there's just a set of things that always happen every single time and yep. you just have to track it. And it'll probably be like that for a couple of years. I mean, I think that you're like on MSNBC Finance or something right there. That was just an absolutely wonderful rant. I think it's absolutely spot on. Um, and also inflationary pressures are, are, are a real thing as well where we're kind of running away with that. 
Um, but I, I think you're right. And in a, in a way, like obviously you don't want people to not do well, but I think there will be a wave of creative destruction where um, there's just some people that were basically growing a business off of ad arbitrage and that hyper growth is just non-existent anymore. Like I think if you grow your business 50% year over year um, this year, you're killing it. Like you're, you're doing really well. And to your point, I do think there's actually going to be, I don't, I do agree that the deployment of capital will probably be less, but I think there's going to be a concentration in the people that are doing well because they do, like you said, have those sound, robust economics and they can kind of like, if a company can oh, do well within this type of forecasting, in a bull market, it's cocaine and champagne. And so like, if you can get it you're now, willing, once you, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say, you're willing to make more bets when uh, it's just more free flowing money uh, and you have so much more capital to deploy, so you're willing to put it into more things. Less capital, you're gonna put it into fewer bets, but you're gonna pick the ones that really do have the traction. So yep. there's that will be if you're really if you are really executing, you will always still be able to raise money and do things. And, you know, if you have the ability to get to profitability or are profitable, you're in the best shape. You have control over your own destiny. Exactly. And that's the irony of financing. Like uh, the bank will give you money when you don't need it. And then when you do need it, nobody will give you money. <laughs> so it's this, this very paradoxical thing. But uh, that's so well put, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, what is the biggest mistake you see when people start or found a business? Oh, there's hundreds. Can I just like list a whole bunch of random ones? Because yeah, I, look, I, I, I advise a bunch of amazing startups, which I don't even try to go and do that. It just friends or people that I really like end yeah. up starting companies and I can help them, especially maybe on the fundraising side or on the like yeah. uh, marketing launch side. But uh, I, I've I've seen a bunch of things like well, look, I've tried specifically to help my companies avoid, which are things like uh, like wrong founders is always number one. So like yep. then Y Combinator, for example, the number one predictor. I remember Paul, uh, uh, the founder of of Y Combinator, telling me this: the like uh, number one predictor of a startup success or failure through the Y Combinator program was the number of months that the founders knew each other beforehand. And so if they do each other 18 months or more, they're much more likely to succeed because it's more, you spend more time with your founders than you do with your partner a lot of times. Fair and so point. you've got That's to think of it like a marriage. Would you marry this person? Can you have good communication, get through fights, not feel uh, like have thick skin with each other, right? Because you're supposed to disagree on a bunch of stuff and come to resolution and feel all right and have each other's backs. If you can't feel that way, you're in a really bad situation. It becomes a toxic relationship. It's always the number one thing that kills startups. But, you know, there's a whole bunch of things. Spending too much money uh, early yeah. on, false flag signals on what the uh, what product market fit is, uh, uh, banking on money before it's actually in the bank, uh, the, wrong, the wrong hires, you know, especially at the stage, at the earlier stage. Focus on people who can execute and do things more than the people who maybe have the longer track record and have like, you know, the bigger name from Salesforce or something. Someone coming from Salesforce and only been in big companies joining a super early stage company just rarely works out. It happens, but it rarely yes. works out because it's a different thing, different process. And the early stages, you have to like your, your, your first VP of sales needs to be able to hop in and sell. Your yes. first few product needs to product manage and not just manage product managers. 
There's a whole set of things like that. We could go on for several days, which I'm sure we will do in my eventual podcast, which I am working on. Oh, so. oh cool. Any working names yet? The platform? Uh, there is a working name, but we're changing it probably. Uh, so I'll tell you. So I'll tell you because. Uh, yeah, give it to me. I uh, love names. I have a dear friend. His I'll actually see if I have an old version. I have a dear friend. His name is Greg Grunberg. He, yep. uh, if you've ever watched the show Heroes, Alias, or the yep. new Star Wars movies, uh, yep. you'll recognize him because he's the mind reading cop and Heroes and all that sort of thing. And him and, him and I have talked about doing a show for forever. And so we've talked about a show. It's working title. We'll change. Called Vested Interest. So there's Greg. There's Ooh. me. Um, and so we're going to demystify key business topics for the average entrepreneur like you know, what is an NFT and why should you care? So we're going to have a very special guest for that one. Or how does like the restaurant business work or the business of entertainment? Or how do you uh, Love this. exit your company? And there's a whole set of interesting things. And so, you know, we've built a whole a beautiful, there's a whole beautiful studio built. There's a bunch of other stuff. Uh, we're lining up first guests. There, there's a lot of stuff. So you, you can sign up at SinisterPodcast.com. They might change, but the people will not. Oh, I love this. Let me know if you're taking some sponsorships. I got some sponsorship dollars. This is incredible, Ben. That looks amazing. I love You and I will talk right after this. Yes, beautiful. I love this. Ben, you made it to the rapid fire section. Can you believe it? Even though I'm such a man, I got to hit you with it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do the thing. Here we go. Writing a book. Overrated, underrated. Uh, Underrated. Something that you have to do. I'm not going to do more than sentence. Uh, something that okay. you should do once in your life. Love it. Going to university, overrated or underrated? Uh, very dependent upon you and your things. I value me, my personal going, but it won't be for everyone. Love it. Forbes 30 under 30, overrated or underrated? <sighs> underrated, actually. Um, Ooh, overrated, from the, overrated from the perspective of, oh, like it's a, like an amazing whatever award. The specialty of the 30 under 30 is the private communities that are behind there. I have WhatsApp groups where I have made some both real friends and gotten some serious business done. The community is why it's underrated. People don't see it, but that there's stuff happening all the time within the 30 under 30. Oh, I love it. I love it. Being on a board, overrated or underrated? Uh, underrated, again, one of those things that you should do, especially if you're gonna eventually start a company. Uh, yep. They, being on a board, the Sama board, was very helpful for, you know, running board meetings for Octane. Love it. NFTs, overrated or underrated? Uh, overrated right now, underrated long term. Uh, I would overrate, you know, the random, like, drop of bears that do something or cats yep. that do something or whatever animal is in vogue at the moment. But the use cases that I'm actually much more interested in are underrated. But the example I want to see, I know people working on, is for ticketing, for example. The ticketing system is fundamentally broken. But an NFT means like you can have your own verifiable ticket and you can put limits on what the resale price is. And the venue can get a piece of the resale price and can limit how many times it can be resold. And so you can have verifiable pieces to each part. The venue wins, the consumer wins. Especially if you could cap like how much they can resell for and the artist could say, I only want to have it be allowed to resell for 15% more. That's been everyone's best interest. That's the kind of use case I want to see with NFTs that hasn't happened yet that bothers the crap out of me. Oh, I love that. That's big brain stuff. Incredible. 
founded a company, overrated or underrated? Uh, both. Uh, it just depends. <laughs> Not for every. It, it's uh, it, everyone aspires and dreams, but it's much harder work and much more painful. Um, and yep. you know, is a you, if you're gonna do it, it's a commitment of minimum five years of your life, but up fifteen plus. It's like you got to think like you're starting a company at twenty five. You might be doing it at forty. Are you okay with that? And some people, the answer is no, but they try to go in anyway, and then they realize, oh, crap. So, again, it's one of those really dependent upon upon you. I can understand a lot of people want to go and do it at least once, but it is a bit overrated in a bunch of ways when there's, like, easier ways to make money and to have, live a fulfilling life. Oh, that's so well put. I love that. Your answers are so eloquent. They're fantastic. What gave you more gray hair, Mashable or writing a book? writing a book like oh, deadlines like well there's yeah. Mashable was easy I got to talk with everybody uh, everyone wanted to talk with me I was a reporter uh, yeah, I got yeah. to network and see everybody when you're writing a book you see nobody you're I was a hard Fair. I switched from extroversion to hardcore introversion you know that's much more complex ideas to go and put together so definitely a book was harder I love it favorite meal and why uh I don't know if I have a specific favorite meal. It just kind of like changes, you know, like you want a comfort food. Maybe it's something like a pod thai. Uh, I love to cook a paella. It's like when I want to be a little bit more extensive or uh, make a shakshuka for a Saturday breakfast. Oh, wow. Uh, you just went across like three different cuisines there. Wow. Your culinary delights. Incredible. I, I, I mean, sushi, you know, had a, was lucky enough to have some nobu over in, Vegas for shop talk and you can never go wrong with some miso cod and some crispy rice with spicy tuna and uh, some like very fresh sashimi I love it we come out to Austin we'll go to Ichiko we'll, we'll, we'll put you up it's good stuff um, favorite theater movie theater or or like uh, you, you go to a lot of plays right I saw you, you have a lot of my, so my, my, my girl my uh, girlfriend's a playwright uh, award winning playwright DebraYarchin.com I'm going to go plug her uh, she'll, she'll, she checks the traffic all the time on her website so I'm like can I just break her brain one day in fact this would be a good way to do it <laughs> um, I had to think what's my favorite theater uh, there's a I'm like I'm like thinking through there was there's been a couple of theaters we've been to in LA recently uh, like there's one across uh, the street from me the Kirk Douglas theater which is a beautiful theater uh, the one over the at UCLA top of my head I can't remember its name and in New York there's just like a hundred it's more yeah. like I think about the plays more than the theaters the theater is transformed by the right director and the stage manager the right playwright ooh I love that well, moving right into that, what's your favorite player show that you've attended? Oh, I don't even know. What's the favorite? Uh, there's been a couple that Deborah's taken me to. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna forget some of the names. I remember Slave Play being very fascinating, which is now on Broadway. Uh, so I suggest worth seeing that. Uh, I'm trying to think of a more of a recent one. There was one I can't remember the name. It was it was about adoption, and I'll go and find the name. But it was so well, like, had audience interaction. It was so well done. And then, of course, you know, uh, I love Drive, which is uh, yep. one of Deborah's newest plays, which is about uh, a group of self of truck drivers who lose their jobs as self-driving trucks and go through the social, economic, and 
political consequences of uh, the rise of automation. Uh, she also has an amazing play called Preservation, which is uh, also somewhat about technology and the consequences of AI, but also hilarious. So I'm going to just say Deborah plays. So Drive Deborah and Preservation, plays. go check them out. Uh, I know there's some there's some premieres happening in Vermont and Winna in Canada and a bunch of other places in the next year or two. Look at Deborah, you got yourself a good one. Ben, ben is the hype man. He is killing it for you. I love it. Um, favorite in-person marketing event? I know you just went to Shop Talk in Vegas. Uh, how was that? Or do you have any other favorite ones? Uh, well, Shop Talk is like the biggest one for e-commerce. So I don't. I'm not going to tell you favorites hard and subjective. I would say it was nice to see lots of partners, lots of customers, lots sure. of friends. Uh, chill with Jason Wong at Doe Lashes. Uh, but it was tens of thousands. It was crazy. Tens of thousands of people. I was so tired. Everyone was so tired. I, I still regaining my voice uh, <laughs> after that. I've had lots of opportunities to have amazing conferences. One of the most amazing ones is Founders which is yep. run by the Web Summit folks, uh, which yep. they now do in Portugal. But I was lucky enough to be able to attend several amazing founders, which is like happens right after Web Summit and just get to, I just remember, I have a name dropping one. I just remember, I'll just, this is my only name dropping thing here. I remember at a table uh, for the opening, it, they, they rented out the, the like cathedral in Dublin. And I was at a table and I had like Patty Cosgrave on one side and I had, I was facing Bono, and I think right to his side was Elon Musk, and I was just like, "Why what? am I at this table? Why does that make any sense?" And then the founder Riverdance was up on stage. It was this way. I was sitting on this side. Founder Riverdance came up and like had a private showing of Riverdance for everyone, like right up over that way. So uh, I've had a bunch of those opportunities in life, epic. and I that that one that one was an interesting like table of just like yeah, this makes no sense at all. Oh, wow, what a fun story. Uh, favorite place to travel to and why? I mean, I'm a Thai citizen. I love traveling to Thailand when I can. Um, I'm always about trying to do new places. Tokyo is next on the list. I've never actually been to Japan more than an airport transfer, which bothers the heck out of me. We plan to go 2020. I really doesn't want to go. But Thailand, you know, like I like want to see family. You get the most beautiful beaches in the world. You have just amazing food for really cheap. You have amazing people. You get yourself some Thai massages. Uh, nothing better. Love it. I love it. Favorite follow on Twitter? Ooh. I mean, am I allowed to say my co-founder, Matt, to start? Also, my favorite follow on TikTok. Uh, at Matt PRD. I mean, but also he's just, he is so, he has so many interesting, thoughtful insights. Great for e-com, anyone e-commerce to go follow him because he's just tweeting out gems. But he's also like, I can just see some of the tweets beforehand and some of the things beforehand. And he's really thinking through like, what's going to be like super interesting, what's going to be super helpful. Um, it just depends. Like I try again, I'm a variety person. So I have a variety of super interesting VCs that are dropping super interesting insights to super interesting e-commerce people. You know, like we've already talked about like uh, Cody and Jason Wong, but there's a ton of super interesting people like Joanne Coffrey, also from Jones Road is worth yep. a follow. I, we have a whole list. In fact, uh, we're going to have a, we're going to, we, we have these weekly events at 1130 on Wednesdays where we have some of the super interesting people that we, our favorite follows. And we have them talk about their quizzes and talk about 
uh, other things. We're having a whole giant, amazing group talk about Mother's Day. All sorts of crazy stuff. Oh, cool. What, on spaces or where, how do people... We, we do it on a Zoom. So there's like a octaniai.com oh, slash community. You can go and sign oh. up. Uh, we have, yeah. I mean, with, by the time this drops, you know, the panel we're putting together right now will have already passed, but there'll be a recording. I can't say the names are crazy. I'm like, we're just putting together the most crazy names into like one panel. And we're doing that every single week. And it's just amazing. Love it. There you go, folks. Go get you some community on. All right, last one. You ready? If you could have dinner with anybody, dead or alive, fictional or non-fictional, three people, who would they be? You're at a four-person table. You're sitting at the head. You get to invite three people. Who are you inviting? Uh, I'm going to do one joke and maybe three real. Uh, Genie of the lamp so that I can make three wishes to get anything that I want in my entire life. Plus, you know, if that's if it's Robin Williams' genie, uh, it has to be Robin Williams' genie. That would be much more interesting. If it's Wait. Will Smith GD, then I'm going to get slapped the in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Oh, uh, now, you, now you just got to Photoshop Chris Rock into oh, Aladdin and that's see amazing. what happens. We do have a great meme or my head of social is just on top of the memes. I'll have to, that'll be the cover art for this uh, <laughs> pod. That's amazing. I, I do have a prediction before I continue with the other three that there will be a Greenlit Hancock 2 and that Chris Rock will be in it. And that movie will make a billion dollars. Interesting. The slap heard around the world, huh? The I, slap, I mean, that's just good bi- that money. That that's that's just good business. Uh, even if it's a even if it's a despicable act, uh, both could be true. <laughs> Hollywood. Uh God, that's <laughs> that's a hard that's such a hard one because. I would try to, like, you know, there's people in modern era I would love to do dinner with that I haven't done dinner with, like a Steven Spielberg, or uh, I haven't had dinner with Barack Obama yet. But I honestly feel like I can get to the point where I go and do that, and I can work my way towards that, and uh, I always believe that. But I can't work my way towards having dinner with people who have passed. So I'm kind of, like, curious to get the perspective of somebody, like, uh, yeah, you can pick an item and all that, but I'm almost like... What was like Julie? If if I could understand Julius Caesar back then, like yeah. Yeah, what yeah, was yeah. he we'll, thinking? We'll, we'll normalize the conversation. You can absolutely communicate. Uh, oh God, I was thinking Cleopatra would be interesting. Like past world leaders, uh, and like talking about like their thoughts and like the eras and like there's like all there's like a large list. I had to go and like narrow that one down, but I would try to pick pe- super interesting people from the past, and it wouldn't even just be world leaders, like. You know, you're talking about like you have like you have Isaac Newton, you have yeah. uh, Leonardo, you, Leonardo da Vinci has to be on the list. He'd be one of them. Okay. So the list goes on. Yeah. Leo, you got the genie. You need one more. Uh, you know, I, I will. I, I'm like I'm trying to think what's the ones that can help me answer questions. You know, I'm like. I guess I'm not going to have a conversation with the first human, whether it's Adam, Eve, or whatever you want to think That's it is. interesting. They, there's some, you know, it depends. Because I guess, you know, that would count because that's either, uh, it's either fictional or it's the yeah. first person, depending on your beliefs. So I'd be interested totally. in, like, the beginning of the universe. And uh, I'm probably not, you know, going to ask for dinner with any kind of God because I I don't think my mind could handle that. But... You know, the first creation is interesting. Noah, be interesting. That's incredible. Uh, uh, it goes, there it goes on and on in different religions too. There's interesting people across 
Buddha would be super interesting too, actually. Yep. yep. And yep. that's a real life person. I, I Buddha might actually go. be on my top three. There you go. So you got you got your genie, you got uh, <laughs> Buddha, and then uh, now I'm spaced on the second one. Who's your second one? I forgot. It was uh, uh, oh geez, uh, uh, Isaac. We, no, we, not Isaac Newton. Was it Newton? No, we it was uh, E oh, Adam E. We went through we went through a lot of people, didn't we? Oh darn! It. I'll have to go. Over there. You guys listen to it. You'll remember it. That was really, really <laughs> damn it! I, can't I, I didn't even get into the fictional. I didn't get into the fictional characters, which would be interesting too. The problem is, you. I already know intimately their fictional worlds. Are they going to tell me something about their fictional world that I don't even know? What is like you know, like think like Final Fantasy, like Cloud Strife, okay. Final Fantasy Seven for the nerds out there. Okay. Like, does he know anything outside of like his world? Is he going to be like? This could be like a, you ask him a question about what's outside the borders of uh, of the Final Fantasy VII world and his bra- spank, uh, breaking the third wall. Right? I know, I know. The, the, like, but I got to I want to have like people from actual history. So we'll we'll make up a list. We'll go make a teleporter. Uh, can I pick someone from the far future? That would be uh, even better. Pick a top scientist from the super far future and then get all the key key information. Maybe be like, how do I do time travel? Teleportation. FTL drives. It's a bit of the Back to the Future vibe, right? But inverted. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Ben, you're one of the most fascinating people I've ever had on. I knew this was going to be a hit. Our listeners are going to love it. Tell people where to find you. Tell people how to get involved in Octane AI. This time is yours, my friend. OctaneAI.com. O-C-T-A-N-E-A-I.com. If you are a store and you like making money and you've had any trouble with your return on ad spend, you go to OctaDI and you add it to your triple whale and you will print more money. Just go ask Jones Road Beauty and hundreds, if not thousands, of other e-commerce brands. Uh, ben, at Ben, at OctaDI on social too. It's great, Beautiful. fun times. Uh, at Ben Parr, B-E-N-P-A-R-R on literally every social network. Uh, you feel free to DM me on Twitter. Uh, I may regret saying that, but whatever. Uh, and then all the other networks. It's all at Ben Parr, BenParr.com, where I will eventually post that article comparing, you know, coaches to coaches VCs, VCs. And, oh, yes. and seeing where that goes. Uh, that'll be fun. Oh, I love it. And then don't forget about Vested Interest, working name, but podcast coming VestedInterestPodcast.com. And just follow yep. me and Greg Rundberg. We'll be talking about it constantly. So that will be coming soon. There's, we, we got some uh, interviews to go and record in Bum, studio. I know that looks fancy. Ben, you're such a gem. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, just super fan. This has been such a dream of mine to get you on and just jam with you. It's been incredible. Um, if you do, oh, look at this, going into the universe. If you do want to get more involved with Triple Whale, we are trytriplewhale.com. We're on the Bird app at Triple Whale. And then we have a fantastic newsletter that goes out every Tuesday, Thursday called Whale Mail. You can subscribe right on our Twitter profile. And that's it. 31 in the books. Ben, thank you so much again for your time. Go sign up for Octane AI. Go get mm-hmm, download it. It's a fantastic little app. And then go annoy, <laughs> go annoy Ben on the Twitters. DM him and tell him why Triple Platy is the way we should go in our rebranding. Ben, thanks so much again. And that's it, folks. 31's in the books. Bye-bye.